I think it's really important for people to know your historical path. And because that gives them context to who you are, why you are, where you came from. Um, and whether that is a good lens or a bad lens, like my sharing the hard parts of my past have been validation points for my community to trust me more than my fancy accolades or stage moments. Yeah. And I think that's getting to the business side of them. What does the mobilized church look like? It's not going in your business and holding Bible study, yeah. worship nights. Those are might good. Be. Yeah, it might be. happen. Yeah. But it is really edifying, encouraging, yeah. exhorting your workers, helping them succeed in life, helping change the culture of their life and speaking life and bringing in those places. Because when you change the atmosphere, you open a door for them to know your why. Are you deprived, perhaps discombobulated, maybe even distracted? You want more from life, from relationships, from God. Whether you're in a season searching for purpose or perhaps know your purpose but feeling lackluster or lost in the execution of it, this podcast was created for you. In fact, this isn't just a podcast, it's a movement, and we're on a mission to find the lost, welcome them in, and launch them into their greatest destiny, fully found in Him and founded on the rock. This is a table for a multitude of marketplace ministers to come together for fresh revelation, resources, and revival. Get ready to catch the fire and live fully free, fully found. This is the Founder Collective. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited to be back in like one of our OG experiences. You guys have been tuning in to some of the behind the scenes and the gear up for FounderCon with our speakers. You've also been listening to our cohort discipleship calls that we have weekly as the mobilized church with entrepreneurs and visionaries and co-creators who come together to just love on each other, to equip one another, to encourage one another, and to come in the places of woundedness and the trials and tribulations that we're all experiencing in a regular rhythmic uh, fleshly uh, undoing, as Anthony likes to say it, on a consistent basis. And yet the Lord meets us so graciously each time those weeks. So we hope that you tune into those and you feel too like you're at the table in that moment. And we, of course, always invite you to be a part of those conversations every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Eastern. Uh, but today it is just Anthony Hart in the house and myself, Tamara Andress. And we uh, have so much that we could go into rabbit holes around but we really were just conversating around the heartbeat of family, the heartbeat of the church, and ultimately how all of that is correlated to what the Founder, is, Founder Collective is and what it stemmed out of, but also what we hope that it instills with everyone who comes on a regular basis, uh, obviously family being one of those, but also how do we activate in our local communities as a good neighbor and really showcasing this love and light that we have when we're in synergy as a body into these places where they might feel broken, abused. Uh, the word that is coming to my mind for uh, most people is this idea of church hurt and how people can be okay with coming perhaps to a Wednesday call and in the comfort of their own home or in the comfort of their car or wherever they're chiming in from. But to walk through the doors of an actual facility feels, uh, feels really difficult and that there's a lot of tension. And so I want to dive into that place 
of abandonment because we're here in this like holiday season where families are gathering. And I even think about friction to my own family and who's at the table and who's not at the table and who's invited to the table and who's not invited. And I never want people in this mission or movement to not have that sense of identity connected to the invitation that we continually extend. Ooh, take a breath. You just said <laughs> I, I did. I was just, and that came right out of left field. Right. <laughs> that was not pre-recorded. That was not written out. That was just Tamara flowing. God. Um, you know, I would ask this question. I don't think we asked this question enough. And it's almost at um, I forget his name now. He's on the Daily Wire, but he just did a documentary called What is a Woman? And this has created a lot of yeah, yeah, I still haven't watched it. In the day and time we're in and all the things. But I would ask this question, and I guarantee it would create just as much negative response. All the thing, argument, debates. What is church? Like, we have so many layers upon layers of generational tradition and religious spirit. Like, we've created this thing, this box, this move. It's not moving, really. We've just created what it is, the methods, the model, all of the things in such a place that we cannot see the idolic nature that it carries. Because I was raised in a at a home where every you better be in church, like you better be in church. But what is the purpose? Of, what is church? Because we talk about church hurt. Church hurt is merely this. Church hurt is people who were hurt by people who should have known better. Because the church is not a building. I don't care what the church down the street from you when you grew up in your small town with a pretty steeple and maybe even had the luxury of a bell that rang at noon to let you know it was lunchtime. I don't care about that. That's a building. It will always be a building. But Jesus called the church to be a group of people. He called 12 men to come follow me. That was the first church service. And every moment they spent with him after that was church. This we we want to flock to the moment when he leaves and they go to the upper room. Oh, they got all together. No, because that was only in one moment. And then they were ejected out of the room into the streets. So really, that wasn't the service. That was the preparation for the service. So good. So we've we've created church out of a, a moment where they weren't moving. But that was a preparation for them to move. If you think about it, when the day he told us to have rest. It was for the six days that we didn't have rest. Have this Sabbath to prepare you for these six. So church is that. Church should be a Sabbath moment of resting, of preparation to prepare us for the next six. So if you really get to the heart of what church is, we've broke the model and we've made it about a moment. We've made it at this isolated place, but that was never the purpose of it. So what is church? Uh, as you first were unpacking that, I was immediately thinking of like Jesus coming and being and dwelling in his actual body. Like we could touch him and see him like, cause he's obviously here all the time, but it, him walking the earth and churchgoers, even church leaders, while we dress, you know, trendy and cool in our oversized, you know, jackets or our red kicks, right. Or our, our, our ball caps, would we actually look to Jesus as Pharisees and Sadducees? And the religiosity and the denominational divide and the fact that like this pastor who is two miles down the street in the same denomination doesn't know this pastor. And what are we actually building when we think about 
building a church or church planting versus what does it look like to plant the church inside of a human, which is really what we did with session unknowingly. Like we didn't have language to it. We weren't saying, oh, we're getting out of this box church and going to a living room because we're going to plant the church inside of each of us and we're going to start ministries out of it. We even tried to make it. We did. We've been trying to recreate it. Like in the beginning, we that's what we knew. We've been, I've been raised in church my whole life. We tried to recreate it in a living room. It doesn't change it. When you fit the model, doesn't matter where so you put it, true. the model was broken. God's like, stop it. Just stop it. Yes. And when we finally released that, we were just on the Founder Collective call about talking about surrender versus submission. When we finally submitted to the fact that his ideas are better, his ways are higher, and what church is to me is family. And so family is that communion moment, and and that could just be me and Jesus. That could just be me and God in those moments of communion, but it's also the gathering of when two or more are gathered, there he will be. And so that could be very intimate versus a megachurch. And I'm not saying megachurches are bad, and we are 100%. I mean, obviously, Anthony is a pastor of a local church that is also online and broadcasted. You guys can tune in to In the Red um, and also go GGC at any point to see it. So we're not anti-church, but it's anti-establishment connected to the systems that are broken. And this is for all of you listening who are entrepreneurs in the space too. Like if you're going after trying to use a formula of somebody else's system and it is not applied to you and how you are supposed to operate in your unique identity within the family, you're going to constantly feel friction. And so how, when you're processing that for the local church and what we're doing from a mobilized perspective in the marketplace, how do you process what the Lord is doing in both and, and the importance of both? Well, I really think they're both important if the heart of it's the same. And we use the terms mobilized church or local church. It doesn't matter the adjective you put in front of it. If you don't tap into what church really is, you can put anything in front of it and it's still as broken as ever. It doesn't matter if it's rolling down the hill or if it's stuck in a nice <laughs> pretty box. His Arkansas is, is coming it, out. <laughs> yeah, it is still broke. And I think yeah. that's why we have to get to the heart of what is church. Um, and that's been my heart when you know, we did the session, we got out of the box church as it was, and really, God really began to restore and undo what we even thought church was and have those crazy moments where we just come in and have conversation and he just take it all of a sudden in a hard left and we're not talking about him at all, but now a door opens up and someone's in tears because in a moment of conversation about something as simple as football or whatever it was, you connect a moment of hurt and in that moment he's, they feel seen and now there's an open door for you to to plant a seed of truth in them, to help them walk through, to be the shoulder, whatever it is, those types of moments that aren't happening because we walk into a prefabricated service and sing this type of song, then this type of song, and then we finish with this type of song, prepare the sermon that's always preached in this format, and now all of a sudden we walk out and we were not even a part of the service. They didn't connect with me at all. It was theirs. They orchestrated it. They fabricated it. So I come in to get what they've prepared for me instead of trusting that God has prepared something for me personally. And it's it's not saying anything horrible about it because you can right. walk in those places and receive something. Totally. You're Holy I, Spirit, I can walk yeah. in the most stale of service. Yeah. And I remember walking into some of those in the old days and I'd be like, I, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of this. 
I'm in a place now, regardless of what it is, I can be in the most crazy spirit filled services and I'll just be quiet, like sitting there. It's in that place that I'm experiencing my own personal moment. I don't have to be lost in the sauce with everybody. Or I can be in the most quiet, non-hand-raising church. And in a moment of worship, there's a moment for me to raise my hands. I care less if anybody else is doing it. I'm going to do what I'm, I'm in that moment of my personal worship, whatever it looks like. So well, I think that there's maturity connected to that, right? And and I know I, at first when we were coming out of session and out of our living room and we were church searching, we were church hunting, we were whatever you want to call it, church shopping. And yeah. we were going to all of these different places because we were trying to curate this emotion that we needed, that we had established together at, in Parkway. And then together in the session in our home, and it felt like all these pieces were broken and we were trying to be like, okay, well, when this happened, this is how we felt and that was good. And when this happened and this is how we felt, but no matter where we went, and even still to this day, I share this with Gary um, transparently, is I feel this tension because it feels as if we walk into a place, like you're saying, that has been orchestrated all in good nature and out of love and for good reason. And I know that there can't be as much fluidity as there is when we meet together, uh, but it I feel like all of the gifts, everyone's gifts, everyone's anointing doesn't get to fully show or be on display. And so there are moments where I'm sitting in the pew and I'm like, or it's not a pew, it's a, it's a very comfortable chair, actually. I, I feel like I'm in a straight jacket, whether it's connected to worship or whether it's connected to going up to pray over someone, or I have a prophetic lens that I want to share with someone. Um, and and that's not the house's fault. That could be my own fault for thinking this is how I'm supposed to operate because these are the unspoken rules of this particular church. But help me like break through that because I, it could just be a personal thing. Um, but it's been quite a few years that I've been. I'd say more times than not, it's yeah. not a personal thing. There are definitely yeah. some um, restrictions in most churches. Right. Uh, I've seen it, everything from you walk in and there's signs up that say, leave your babies in the nursery. Like yeah. you can't bring your kids in here. Like, yeah, we've seen it. I've, I've been a part of ministries that like did everything they could to get children out because they wanted that person's number one attention. But you know what? How do we, that's not what the first church was. That's not what Jesus said. He said, bring them to me. How yeah, do we like sure. scripture that talks about why are you trying to keep the babies out? This is a moment. Like, you know me, I'm pretty wide open. I don't care who comes in. You have a crying right. baby. You sneeze. I'm going to say, bless you. Uh, Easter service uh, this year, we had a little kid that was playing with a ball and it come rolling down the middle aisle. I picked it up and took it back to him. Like, that's just who I am. Because I think there is this freedom to just be. Yeah. And yeah. it's not, it doesn't wreck our, anytime we build up this thing, this timetable, this progression of things to try to ramp it up, to get you in a place in your fields that I can connect you in that place, then I've orchestrated that and I've removed God out of it. And I think yeah. that's where we, that's where the church has become broken at. We've become good at doing church. We've become good at doing the way it's been done for us. And we cannot hear beyond that. We can't hear that moment that God challenges us to do something different. Because one thing, if I do something different, what if I lose half the church because this yeah. is the way they like it? Yeah. What if we don't sing this type of song anymore? I lose half. Now I've lost money. And if the, the congregation size starts going down, that we have broken people in pastor positions. I'm going to be completely honest with you because yeah. I've been there that if I don't have people in the seats, 
then I'm not who I'm supposed to be. And people are looking at me. So I'm less of a pastor. I'm less a preacher. I'm less of uh, God's vessel. So I'm less than. Uh, if we don't have the money coming in, I'm the less than. But in that moment, when you're doing God's called you to do, he's orchestrated the people and the funding and all that thing. But until you trust him in that place, then we trust our own abilities or we don't trust our own abilities. So we put everything in our place to protect us. Yeah. That's so accurate because I've had several conversations recently where people just feel like they have to walk this certain path in order to get access to this certain realm of the church. So whether it's a certain Bible study that you have to join or a specific thing that you have to read. And I understand that there has to be, especially as you're coming into a leadership position, there has to be some element and protocol of safety as you, we talked uh, even about who we get on stage from a speaker perspective at the conference, like this is a flock that has been entrusted to us and we need to protect that. You can't just say, oh, I'm an ordained minister, so I should be able to speak on Sunday. Doesn't work that way. That's where the family element of church has to come into play. And I've realized over time that as I've been present and they've witnessed what I do and how I how I show up and how I serve, there has been more of a leniency to say, instead of just whoever is a like a pastor here, if you are a pastor, you can come up to pray. And so they're starting to like open that envelope for people. But what happens for those who don't feel like they can get inside because of some system, they end up feeling and sensing that sense of church hurt. So how how can we shift this? Because I know some people who are listening, whether they're entrepreneurial or not, when it comes to leadership and marketplace ministry, how do we apply this to what we're doing in our businesses and how we're developing community and family at a board table or boardroom and our company culture as much as we are within the church? Well, there's two words I hear the Apostle Paul talk a lot to the first century churches and his letters to the churches that I think has to be the heart of what we do as a church. And this is not, it's not going to be preach a good sermon, sing a good song, because that's what our service is. It's been, if you look at it, and there's actually three, there's edify, which means to grow. What if at the heart of everything we did in our business, it was to grow people? not to validate us. This is where we can get stuck in business. I need you to give me this. I need you to be here because this validates me. But what if our desire was first and foremost to grow people, to grow our consumers? If I'm giving you information to grow you, because I know if I grow you, then my I'm not trying to fit the wool under your eyes. I'm not trying to give you a shoddy piece of equipment. I'm not trying to give you bad serving. I want you to get to a place where you can actually see what I'm doing. You know it's right. So first, my job is to edify you or to grow you. That's the church's job. Second is to exhort. Exhort means to see something in you that you can't see, to pull out of you. What if you begin to exhort your workers, not being frustrated by what they can't do, but speaking life beyond what they're doing right now? Begin to challenge them. Speak that life, not death. Let them know that there's power in them, that you can do better than this. You're stuck here because of this, but there is more on this other side. And the last one is encourage. Edify, exhort, encourage. Encourage is not make you feel good. We've we've limited the word encourage. Encourage has one word in it, courage. Jesus told Joshua, or not Jesus, God told Joshua when he come down, was about to lead the children of Israel, he said, be strong and be courageous. We need to begin to put courage in people. We live in a world where anxiety is the, the temperature of the room. I'm so sick of the word triggered. 
Yeah. Because it is just, I hear teenagers say, oh, that triggers me. Get out of here. I'm sick <laughs> of triggers. Triggers are just your inability to overcome something in front of you. You are letting life control yeah. you. That's what triggers are. You're letting people that have no should have no control over you control mm-hmm. you. You're letting things from your past that you should have let go of control you. And until you allow those things to stop holding you back, stop limiting you, and you find healing in those places, they're always going to be that space. So we need to begin to encourage people. I'm not going to listen to the voice of anxiety anymore. I'm going to speak courage over you. You can do this. Stop telling you yourself you can't. If you can't do this, I'm going to do everything I can to edify you, to exhort you, and encourage you to put you in a position that you can. What if that's, is that not what business should be? Well, that's exactly what the church should be too. Yeah. I think about that from like a team development perspective too. Like it starts from the top, right? And so if we have these like wild expectations for our executives, our C-suite, whoever that is, or our counterparts even, and we're good at like nurturing our community because behind that is like a sale, right? Versus really pouring in from the top so that they see a family. I feel like that's what we've done so much with Founder Collective. And that's why when people come, they're like, whoa, this feels so different. Even with Fit and Faith, with my for-profit side, it's like, there was a family established and people wanted in. They wanted to feel like they were a part of the team. They wanted to feel like they were a part of the family. They wanted to buy into the community. And when we think about that from a tithing perspective or a sales perspective, that's what branding ultimately is. But just like we've talked before with like the the concept of business and branding, if there isn't an identity that is secure, then that is just going to go to the wayside because someone's going to get in. They're going to see your really cool painted brick building. They're going to see a really great sign. They're going to see, you know, maybe some, some great greeters and you're going to have real lattes at your coffee shop rather than just pour over. And then they get in and the heartbeat isn't there or the culture hasn't been established. And the identity is on rocky ground, not the rock. It's on rock ground that have been built up by all these different people. And you, you had to walk through this as you came in as an interim pastor, you and Morgan, and then you had to reestablish a foundation. I want to hear from that lens, especially for entrepreneurs who feel like they, they perhaps created this out of ego, or they created this out of a need for money, or they created anything outside of creating it because Christ told them to do it and they haven't built it on the rock. How can we reestablish that on a firm foundation now and get back into that place of of righteousness, not in in not in holiness? How do I say this? I don't want it to sound wrong. How do we get back into a place of right standing? Righteousness would be more of that religiosity word. I don't want people to feel that way. No, I think righteousness is the right word. It's yeah. what we've manipulated it yeah. to be. Because yeah. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all True. these things will be added unto you. Yeah. Um for church me, hurt. so I, don't have church hurt based on the word righteousness. You guys hear right. that? Okay, good. <laughs> You're not, stop being triggered by the word righteousness. <laughs> That's what church hurt is. It's yeah. triggering because somebody did something to you or you got your feelings hurt along the yeah. way. It wasn't fostered right. Um, I'm going to challenge something that's an active statement in the business world that everybody's always talking about. Always be selling. It's out there. I'm going to ask you this, though. Is it better when you're selling you or when somebody else is selling you? Definitely number two. That's what has to happen in the church. All right, quick interruption. 
but actually it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper, not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family, be a part of the foundation of what the founder collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly founder collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. And we want you to be in on the us because we want to make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited. You're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the links. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning. This is a call. This is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in him as a founder in the Founder Collective. That was really a moment in my life. When we walked into this church, God kind of opened the door. We were doing the session at the time and this. um, I can remember the first time I sat down, we were coming in a place where they had been hurt, gone through season, and we had zero desire because we wanted to do the session for the rest of the time. We loved the home experience. It was amazing what God was doing there. But in this moment, God opened the door for us to come in and help. And I remember, you know, in our prayer time before we said yes to this, we really, and Morgan and I both felt God to say, I need you to be foster parents. And think about a foster parent. When you take that child in, you are not going to keep that child. You have, it's not in your job description. You are taking that child in who's been hurt, invalidated, and just loving on them in the interim until their adoptive parents take them. Um, So when we came in, that was our heart. And I remember sitting down with uh, spiritual leaders here the first time and just really telling them who we are and what we believed and all the things. And I'd kind of put some things off to the side because in that moment, I was going to try to sell myself. And it was funny in that conversation, I, I kind of saw it as a box mentality. I had all these boxes, and I'm, I'm going to leave these off. We'll talk about that later. And just in the the flow of the conversation, slowly everything began to get moved over. Nope, talk about this. Hey, you asked this. I got. I'm going to answer this. And by the end of that conversation, I looked at him in the face and I said, "Okay, I've told you everything. There is nothing about me that you don't know. And if you don't feel the same way about me when you did when I walk in, when I walk out." You can shoot me a text, give me a call and say, I don't think this is going to work. And they looked me in the face and said, no, you're exactly what we need. So from day one, I didn't come in here trying to sell myself. I I, I didn't re- I didn't realize we were going to be here any uh, amount of time. We've now been here um, going on our sixth year. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, no, fifth year. Yeah. But coming in here, it was an interim position. I, I didn't. I didn't know what existed beyond that. I just knew I wanted to be excellent in the season I was in. And in that moment, I wasn't selling myself. I was positioning them, these people in front of me to be ready for whatever lies ahead, whether it was a new pastor, whether it was the job the next day at work, whether it was their family. My job was to come in and re-posture this group of people to make a difference in the world around them, regardless of what was next. Little did I know I was the next <laughs> yeah. and it took six months from that point till then when God said, finally, okay, now you 
Yeah. You can put yourself in this, but because you spent six months not selling yourself, they were sold. Like, I remember when I finally put my name in, they were all like, what took you so long? Why did my resume was not up to snuff with half the people who put they had 200 resumes. Their res, my resume was the first one I ever wrote because I joined the Navy straight out of high school. I remember that. And I asked them after the fact, how was my resume? They said it was not good. <laughs> so my resume was not good compared to anybody else. That would have yeah. put me way down the list. I came in and I was Pentecostal background in a church that had Baptist background. So that if I'd have put my name in amongst all of them. That would have pushed me on the list. So if I never would have had this moment of not selling myself and just coming to connection, relationship, and community with these people, I wouldn't have got this position. But it was in a moment that was orchestrated by God to come in and just live life with people, to speak into them, to challenge them and exhort and encourage and edify them that when we got to that place, I didn't have to sell myself. I didn't need a resume to prove it. I didn't need three sermons to show how good of a preacher I was. There was a connection that was bigger than both of us. And in that space, that was what we moved forward with. Man, I feel like this is so paralleled in that like quick win. I just started a new business. Hire me. You know, this is happening where people are establishing themselves rather than them being given something to have a space to be established. And I understand like you're building your own platform. You might be starting something new. That's great. But are you willing to wait? And are you willing to be like really stripped down into serve? And that's what you guys did in the context of entrepreneurship, you did it beautifully without knowing that you were doing it. Even as a bystander watching it, I knew that there was a lot of undoing happening, a lot which happened in the home church, but then you went back into it and you had to strip your mind of what you expected this to be or how easy it was going to be because it was just going to be a short period of time. And so for those who are listening from this lens where you're like, you're not necessarily a pastor and you're not building that lens of ministry as a marketplace minister, are you willing to put the work in and truly serve a community and to show up to find out what they need? What are their needs? Are you willing to like, let me, I, I, let me just say this. I have a friend who was literally a part of my business for three years and he was a part of founder collective, part of FounderCon before we shifted the name. And he, after three years of knowing me, didn't know my resume, didn't know my backstory. And yet he still showed up, still showed up. And this is where good deeds are so critical, where you actually not trying to do it for a face or a facade or an accolade or a title, but out of a place of a servant leader will really do you well. But, and I think it's really important for people to know your historical path. And because that gives them context to who you are, why you are, where you came from, um, and whether that is a good lens or a bad lens, like my sharing the hard parts of my past have been validation points for my community to trust me more than my fancy accolades or stage moments. Yeah. And I think that's getting to the business side. What does the mobilized church look like? It's not going into your business and holding Bible study, yeah. worship nights. Those are might good. Be. Yeah, it might be. happen. Yeah. But it is really edifying, encouraging, yeah. exhorting your workers, helping them succeed in life, helping change the culture of their life and speaking life and bringing in those places. Because when you change the atmosphere, you open a door for them to know your why. Because your why is Jesus. It is yeah. your connected to this other thing. If you walk in with scripture Jesus first, they'll never see your fruit. Because most people are turned off to that name because they've been wounded by it. 
Most people are turned off to that name because they've got a broken model and a broken identity of what that is based on what the world tells you. But when you walk in and just do it differently, when you're walking, you're not trying to sell yourself. When you walk in and create a product and you want to do everything you can for it to be the best possible, for you to be the best possible, if you do everything you can to serve those around you, that's when you open a door for somebody to say, you stand out as different from everything I've experienced. Why? That's when people start selling you like you need to go to this business and get this because they do it differently. It's just yeah. a shift from where we've been. When the genuine walks in the room, the counterfeit will reveal yeah. itself. When I was going to somebody... go right back to what we said at the beginning from the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's like people trying to be perfect versus people yeah. trying to be excellent. I and just want that to be chosen where oh, Jesus yeah? challenged uh, a mindset with the Pharisees at one yeah. point. And when I heard it, I said to Morgan, I said, it's amazing how many people would say that they're siding with Jesus in this and they would fail to see that they're on the other side of the table mm -hmm. because we've become so closed off to anything other than this Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night experience, the box church of what it's become. This is the scripture. This is the truth. This yeah. is the law. And they couldn't see Jesus say, but what if? Yeah. And they couldn't be challenged beyond it. Um, even the chosen it's, there's so many Christians who are up in arms and against this. Right. That's what the chosen is not the first of its kind. Go check Jesus's parables. They all the Sadducees and Pharisees came against Jesus. Why aren't you speaking the law? I am. You just can't hear it through the lens I'm giving it, it to you. That's so good. That's what the chosen is. It's just a remake of the parables of Jesus. Jesus was pulling parables out, stories out that weren't in the law, but the heart of it was there. The well, it goes back to offense, thing. right? 100%. And that's what you and I have talked about, the bait of Satan and John Revere's book. And it really is that people are offended. The Pharisees were offended by Jesus. The Sadducees were offended by Jesus. Uh, and, and if we stay in that space, then the three things that you said in regards to edifying, exhorting, and encouraging are literally the stark opposite. So if yeah. we're talking about a pendulum of how, how to do this thing and to do it in excellence versus perfection, I really think that that's the thing. Like failure to complete is trying to be perfect and it end up needing to fix it into your own way. Now you've turned perfection into manipulation and manipulation in, is going to end up being rooted in sin because of your desire to pride, ego, lust, all the things enter into that space. I can say it so candidly because I've been there. And so operating under that different understanding of how do we do church in excellence is a very different conversation and something I feel like we've navigated as a family really beautifully in a, over the course of the last, gosh, seven years since we've known, eight years since we've known each other. Um, and we're still learning. Like we're always still learning. How do we do this better? How do we, you know, blanket and cover the people do, who do have church hurt in, in this regard? And we're doing it right now because I, not, I think another E word in that would be education and to educate people. And that's the equipping piece of what the church is also responsible for. And we as marketplace ministers are responsible for. We have to educate people and education should be happening way more than selling. So if I can educate you, then it's, I don't have to sell myself at all because you're like, wow, I need to know more about this Jesus. <laughs> I need to know more about this, this church that allows people to stand up and talk on the microphone and share a testimony in the middle of the service. 
that's what Anthony's like literally their service does. It's it's not planned and yet the Lord's plan gets revealed every single time and it's so beautiful. So that's what we do and how we do it connected to the Founder Collective and hopefully we're honoring that's the whole point is to honor God in our excellence and to show up and let him move, create that space for him to move. That's what the church should be. It should be a space that we're allowing God to move, not a place that we're trying to ordain what we think should happen. When you become convinced about how you do it, you'll stop be stop being driven by why you do it. Mm, so good. There's so many people who are stuck in their house. It literally brings me back and we can close out on this because I think it's so perfect for what you're saying. Excellent for what you're saying. The Lord asked me earlier this year connected to all of these things, for-profit, non-profit, all, everything that I was doing. He asked, are you willing to burn it to the ground? And I had to sit with that for months. I was sitting in that and it was this weird sense of disappointment and also this amazing sense of freedom to say, yeah. And there was not fear connected to what if it actually does, because I, I had this knowing that that wasn't going to be what he was going to do. And in that last statement that you said, it's not the how, but the why. And I knew that the why, regardless of what was to happen, if it did get lit a match on under different things or entities or LLCs or whatever you wanted to call it, that I still under my why would wake up at four in the morning and run after Jesus and serve people through this particular lens of marketplace ministry. The how is the how is validated by numbers. Yeah. We can validate the how by how well we're doing. We can put measurements to that. You can't validate your why by that because there are moments that you just continue to pursue mm -hmm. the why without any results, any measurements. Going back to the business mindset, when you get into it with the right heart, you're going to do it and you're going to be recognized by the exact person who needs it. Not everybody, but in a moment of, you see this so many times, people who do it on a different level, it's, it was never because of how they did it. It was because of why they did it. Yeah. People can connect to your why your, how will come and go. Numbers will come and go. COVID proved that there's a yeah. lot of people who had the how down who are now out of business. Yeah. Because they didn't have a why people were bought into why they did it. They just bought into how they did it. And the moment they couldn't do that that way anymore, they pulled away. So that's got to be the heart of everything we do, whether it be church, whether it be business, whether it be your family. What if you started communicating your why to your kids instead of your how? Mm. So now you position them to go and do what they're called to do. And they get to be adults, not to do it how you did it, but to carry on your why, to find their why, to activate their why, which is what all of us are called. That's the church as large is if we get connected to the why. Why? Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and share what I've given you. Go change the world in the way I've demonstrated it for you. Go love your neighbors. But you can't do that until you love God the way you're supposed to. Go, go, go. That's your why. Out of that why, the hows will come and go. But the whys will always be your guiding light. So good, Aunt. Man, I'm so grateful to have conversations like this with you. This is literally what it was like in our living room, you guys. So you're basically now just a really lucky fly on the wall. Uh, but it's it's so good. I know we're going to be birthing more conversations like this. If you have not followed the show, we'd love for you to do so. Leave a review would be even extra icing on the top of the cake. And uh, we love you guys. We really do. And we hope that this is a call for you to get invested 
in your local church. Uh, join us in the Mobilized Church. Uh, whatever your acronym is, whatever your precursor is, just know that you have access to be the church right now today in the way that you minister through your life and the good deeds in which you do it. And I'm referencing, by the way, James 2. Read James 2 if you're looking for how to live a life of good deed that allows you to let the church be known in your actions day in and day out. We love you. God bless y'all. Have an amazing week. This is the Founder Collective.